Kia ora everyone, you are listening to Quarantine Days, a young woman's guide to the crazy days of life under lockdown. I'm your host, Verity Johnson, and this podcast is proudly powered by the YWCA. Kia ora fam, and welcome to Quarantine Days. This is the first episode of your guide to lockdown life and the frankly quite weird new normal. My name's Verity Johnson, I am a writer, a TV presenter, and now podcast host, creating and writing for you this new baby. Where did this come from and why are we doing it? So basically, I was talking with the awesome Wahine at the Y, and we were thinking, what can we do to help all of you young women out there who are going through the truly insane stuff that is happening right now under lockdown? Now, the first episode today is about focus, because you guys told us that you were struggling right now with everything to do with how do you study, to how do you create, to how do you keep working, to how do you even just get your life together. So today's episode is about doing just that. And we're also going to have our fantastic segments of That's Fake News Girl to help you debunk all of those highly scientific things you see on Facebook. We've got our fantastic coffee fund, which is where you tell us about a girl who needs a bit of love and we will send off our caffeinated care package to her. And last, but by no means least, throughout the course of this series, we're going to be getting an incredible array of women up in here as our guests on the podcast. They'll be giving you expert advice, funny insights, and basically just spreading some much needed love and good wishes right now. Now, without further ado, let's crack into it with our first segment, That's Fake News Girl. Okay, the first one that I want to do right now is online shopping. Have you heard the myth that you can get coronavirus from having online shopping from China? Well, that is fake news, girl, because you cannot get the virus from your online shopping. That AliExpress stuff that you got off the internet, all good. You might not need it, but it is not going to give you coronavirus. Loosely speaking, the science behind this is that the virus is not going to survive from getting to China to getting to your house. The temperature, the conditions, the exposure to other elements, it just won't survive that long. It's a long way to go. I can hear some of you say, though, but how long does the virus actually last on all of these packages? Could we still get it from our post or if we get something delivered to the house, like a food box or something? Well, again, the science says not likely. It is really not that likely that you're going to get it. In fact, the chances um, scientists say of getting it from your post are infinitesimally small. There has been a little bit of confusion that you would have heard about how long viruses last on surfaces. You might have heard that they last for um, 24 hours on cardboard or 72 hours on plastic. And yes, but it's good to remember that these are done under lab conditions and the real world is not like a lab. And there are factors out here like changes in ambient temperature and controlled variables like that, which affect the virus's lifespan. Um, You might have heard that it can last for 17 days. No, that came from a Well, that came from a report in a newspaper where they went to a cruise ship that hadn't cleaned the cabins and they found traces of the virus's RNA in the cabins after 17 days. However, finding traces of a virus's RNA does not mean that the virus is alive and can infect you. It might not be alive. All it is is like finding a little part of it, like a tiny little bit of it, a trace, but it doesn't mean that it's alive and living. So... In a nutshell, you are safe getting your post delivered and they say that if you're super worried about, you know, what if my courier sneezed on that cardboard box, 
easiest thing to do when you get in that cardboard box take the cardboard box throw away the packaging take all the stuff out of it wash your hands and your sweet as that is the best medical advice of the date so yes you can get stuff off aliexpress yes your post is fine and yes don't stress about the food box if you, even if you're really worried and really really stressed out about that just chuck away the cardboard and wash your hands Right, welcome to the main part of today's episode, namely how to focus in a crisis or how am I supposed to get any work at all done when my brain is melting, which is absolutely how I have felt over the last few weeks. All right. So um, I know um, as myself personally that focus is a really tricky beast at the best of times. I have to write a column each week and every Wednesday I sit down and I lie around for hours trying to focus when actually all I'm really doing is like preparing my Oscars acceptance speech and how funny and romantic and witty I would be about my great work of modern fiction that's going to talk about all these important and insightful things but I haven't actually written the work yet and I can't focus to actually write it. So yes, focus is hard even in the most normal of times, especially during a crisis though. At the moment, I don't know about you, but every time I sit down and try and focus on something, I basically get like 10,000 notifications from BBC giving me updates on Boris Johnson. My mum will call me, my dad will call me, my granny will call me, my everyone will call me and then I have you know, at least one friend, and everyone's got this one friend, who thinks the apocalypse is nigh, and they'll call you and they'll be like, I've made a tinfoil hat, I expect you to wear it, here's a buzzer, go and kill the lizard people. Yeah, so with all that going on, I would be amazed if you could focus. But if you're anything like me, I am, as a writer and a creative, um, a lot of my livelihood actually depends on me being able to focus in the first place. It's not like I can just like tap out and then not focus. I have to focus. So this is for all of you right now who are trying to study, who are trying to work, who are trying to create, who are trying to write. This is what I do to get through. So bear with us. Okay. It has been a little bit of a nightmare recently and the whole last few weeks have been a huge roller coaster. So this is my first point that we're going to do. Number one, ride out your panic roller coaster. I think during the last week I've bounced between I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm totally fine up into oh god the world is ending back down to I'm I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm getting through right down to oh no, what about my family? What about my grandparents? What about my friends? Oh my god, back up to yeah, no, I'm fine, I'm all right. In other words, a huge mind-warping mind-bender of emotions. But my first point is, you've got to ride these out. You've got to ride that panic train. You're going to go through all of this stuff. But in all reality, if you don't go through it, if you try and work while you're still in it, you will not be able to get anything done because let's face it like when you're trying and you're trying to work and you're trying to get stuff done but your brain is all kind of like the end is coming the end is nigh look out the window the fourth horseman of the apocalypse might be outside you aren't going to get anything done so wait until you've ridden the panic roller coaster wait till you're calm you'll know it you'll be in this kind of tired yet slightly hysterical phase that I'm currently in where I'm like I'm calm now okay I'm ready so don't do anything until you're there 
And also, I think it's worth saying that, like, it's very normal to be like that. In fact, if you weren't like that, it would be super weird because, let's face it, this is totally unprecedented times and no one's ever gone through anything like this unless you were old enough to be around for the Spanish flu, which potentially Winston Peters was, but apart from him, no one's gone through this kind of stuff. So you're supposed to have this panic roller coaster. It doesn't make you weird. It makes you very, very normal. So the second one is deal with your pressing stuff. Before you can focus on anything, you need to deal with that really pressing stuff, the stuff that's grinding away in your brain being like, I can't focus, I have to think about this, I have to think about this, I have to think about this. In the last week, I've had a lot of that. I work in journalism and media for a lot of the time. Um, I have a partner who works in entertainment a lot of the time. I have a family who are supposed to be halfway between here and America and are stranded halfway. I have had the very real experience of, I don't know how I'm going to make rent, I don't know how I'm going to make groceries, I don't know if I'm going to be unemployed. And I've had a lot of those stages of panic. Basically, I you know spent a lot of last week reading about things like tenants' rights and bankruptcy law and like all of the fun things around how to claim the wage subsidy. But my point here is that if you've got that pressing stuff, that really pressing stuff on your brain, you know, you can't do anything until you've figured it out. So before you even try and focus, take all of those super pressing needs, all those things that are really acute and need to be fixed now and try and deal with them. Because, you know, like in all honesty, before you've dealt with them, you cannot do anything. Ride the panic roller coaster and two, sort out your immediate stuff. Because I guarantee you, until you do that, you will always be like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And honestly, this is the stuff that actually matters right now. It matters if you can have enough groceries. It matters if your friend's got groceries. That's what matters. So deal with your pressing demons. And like, this brings me to my next point. Realigning our mental state. I think the way that it's been couched by the government and stuff is very much kind of, oh, you're working from home. And that's what everyone will tell you. You know, you stay home, you're working from home. And this kind of gives you the impression that it's life as normal. And, you know, when you work from home and all you do is really sort of float around the house eating two-minute noodles and watching Love Island. So that's how you normally work from home. We're not working from home. This is a whole new shift. We are in a crisis. We have to be at home. And we are trying to work while in a crisis, while at home. So that is a really important distinction. Because if you act as though, and if you treat your brain and your mind as though we're still working from home, you'll crucify yourself over why you're not doing enough, why you're not productive enough, why you're not focusing enough, when actually half the reason you're not focusing is you're not working from home, you're at home in a crisis trying to work. You see what I mean there? There's a big difference. Yeah. Okay, so tip number four schedule in your worry. So this is one of the best tips that I have ever got from any form of any advice ever. And I got this from a sleep psychologist. I have the type of brain that whenever it's time for me to go and calm down or go to bed, or if I want to go and take some time to write an article, I want to read a really important piece of research, my brain will be like, oh, I see that you're trying to focus. Why don't we review all of your past failures from the last 10 years? Let's do it in alphabetical order, shall we? Let's begin now. And I don't know about you, but that's not exactly conducive to me and my focusing ability. So I know that my brain is a brain that's inclined to worry. And at times like this, when you're trying to focus, you've set aside an hour every day, you sit down, you start to write, and your brain's like, huh, 
how about we think about all those obscure diseases that you might have caused, which combined with coronavirus might cause you to die. Should we do that now? Should we do that now? The thing about this is you know that your brain's going to do this right. So what we do is every time that you get a worry that passes through your brain, you write it on a piece of paper. Put a piece of paper in a cup and you say, okay, brain, at four o'clock today, we're going to look in this cup and we're going to examine our worries. Basically, you schedule time to worry. And until then, every time you get a worry, you write it down, you put it in the side and you keep going. This actually really helps me focus because I'll be writing and I'll be going through it and my brain will be like, oh, what about this? Imminent death. And I'll be like, cool, I'll focus on that at four o'clock. And then often when I actually get to four o'clock, my brain has calmed down sufficiently because I haven't, you know, worked it up into a fluster. It's calmed down, which means that I can go through the cup of worries and be like, actually, it's probably slightly unrealistic for me to be worried about the ventilator situation in New York, given that I can't actually do anything about that. Make a time to worry. And every time your brain's like, let's worry about this, let's worry about this, you say, cool, we can do that at four o'clock. Also, I just chose four o'clock randomly. Like, you can choose whatever time you want, but four o'clock works for me because that's kind of when I don't really want to do any more work. And my brain's naturally kind of ready to sort of take a rest. There's also, interestingly, a lot of psychology behind this, and it's proven to work for a lot of insomniacs. So if you have this situation before you um, go to sleep and you can't sleep because your brain's like, ha, 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 ha. This is actually a proven technique for helping you sleep. When we're in worry hour, what do you do? Number five, during worry hour, take your worries and decide what is in your sphere of influence. This is another technique that I stole from a sports psychologist. The idea of a sphere of influence is this idea that there are things in life that you can control and things in life that you can't control. Now, our brain isn't very good when we're worrying about separating out what we can and what we can't control. It tends to just throw all of this stuff at us and be like, worry about all of these things all the time right now. And the thing is, is that that's actually really unrealistic and not very useful at all. During worry hour, what you do is you take out the worries. And this is a tip that I use to help me focus and not worry too much and not get overwhelmed. Take in all the worries and you look at them and you say, is this something I can actually do something about? In my worry cup yesterday, I was, <laughs> I was worried about Boris Johnson dying as the prime minister because originally I'm English and I thought if he dies, there'll be a coup and they'll have this hard, like, hard right, right-wing government take over the UK and then obviously my granddad's still living in the UK and what about him? And then my brain spirals into this insane, sort of nihilistic, exaggerated worst case scenario but realistically I can't do anything about Boris Johnson being in hospital that is a worry which I need to categorize as being outside of my sphere of influence however I do have a very real concern is that a friend of mine is not doing well at the moment and needs basically extra money for groceries and I was like cool okay I can do something about that right now I'm worried I can go and get food from my pantry put it in a bag drop it off so that is a very different example of a worry I can actually do something about so during your worry hour get the cup out decide which of them fall in your sphere of influence and you can actually do something about them and which of them fall in the outside sphere of influence when you cannot do anything about them and when you do that it helps your brain to calm down and it helps you to get a sense of clarity because when you can do one tiny thing to solve that small problem, your brain's like, tick, done. And then you can focus and carry on as normal because you've got that sense that you've achieved something. And also it's super easy in um, situations like this, in uh, times when 
we don't really know what's happening. I mean, this is completely unprecedented. So it's really easy in times like this just to have everything spiral into this great cloud of toxic nothingness where everything becomes a doomsday Mad Max scenario and you're like, well, life is futile. And it's very normal for your brain to be like, life is futile. But it's not very helpful when you're trying to focus because it's very derailing. It makes you think, well, what's the point of me finishing this essay? Because humanity will fall and the rats will rise and the next leader of New Zealand will be a rat, an articulate rat at that. So that's not particularly useful for your focus. And it's very common because your brain is dealing with things that it's never dealt with before. But by using this sphere of influence trick, you can be like, okay, not much I can do about a doomsday scenario in which rats run the world. Not really interesting to think about, but not much I can do about it. I'm going to sideline that and keep going. And that gives your brain permission to let it go. This is my favorite tip that I learned from a decade of writing so far. Get up early before everyone else in your household. Turn off everything. No phone, no iPad, no cell phone, no TV, no radio. Nothing. Have nothing on and find the quietest spot in your house even if that's in the garden sometimes I used to go and hide in the bathroom for a while um, but find a quiet spot and just have nothing time absolutely nothing time because that helps your brain to focus on what's actually really important with a thousand people being like what about this and this and this and this and this and this and this like having two parrots glued to your shoulders, which are simultaneously catastrophic and <laughs> optimistic at the same time. And it's like, oh, it could end, but it could be great. None of that. Likewise, this is point number seven. Make a quiet space. Now, I know this is so much easier if you live with people that you like or if you're not living with your family and they're not driving you up the wall. But even if you are, there are a few tricks around that. For instance, the getting up before everyone else gets up in the household. That's a really easy one. So if you know that your family get up at eight, nine, whatever, get up at six and do an hour between six and seven. Or if you have a situation in which you've got flatmates and they annoy the hell out of you and they're up all hours, get headphones, put them on, have time between like a couple of hours when you're just listening to music, lying on your bed and ignoring everyone else. And that clarity is so important because you need to have that time when you're just focusing on you for once. So yeah, turn everything off and make that quiet time. And now eight, work when you're happiest. One of the things that I found about maintaining focus during a crisis is that my moods fluctuate hugely during the day. So between like 7am and 11am, I'm normally quite chipper. I'm like, oh, well, I've got this, no worries, it's all good. Um, and then between 1 and 3pm, I'm like, the entire world is going to end and I'm going to be eaten by said rats that will run the world in a dictatorship. So that's quite a bit of a difference between moods there. Now, the thing is, is that I know that I do this. I know that I go between crazy moods. The likelihood is that you will have a similar version of this, perhaps not quite as extreme, but you'll have a version. And you might be super happy at one time in the day, a bit depressed at other times of the day, and just exhausted at other times of the day. The important thing about knowing how to focus is scheduling when you're actually going to do the important things. There is no point in you scheduling writing an essay at a time in the day when you're exhausted or a time in the day when you think that life is meaningless. If you schedule that essay, however, for a time when you're feeling really productive and energetic, I guarantee it is easier to focus. So I do most of my writing between 7am and 11am because that is when my brain actually feels enthusiastic about the world. If I try and focus it, 
10 p.m. at night, I'm like, this is shit. I can't write. I'm useless. Not a good technique for focus. Okay. Nine. <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones. Give your internal voice a stern wartime speech. Now, one of the biggest causes of procrastination is that we have a voice in our head which says, you can't do this. You're crap. You're going to fail. And I, everyone has that voice. Um, some people have it more than others, but normally everyone has it. And that is actually scientifically proven to be one of the biggest causes of procrastination. You don't do it because there is a tiny evil little voice in your head that says, you're going to fail, so why would you try? That's exactly what mine says. And it sounds a little bit like an evil Tinkerbell. Now, the thing is, if we know that our brain does this when we're procrastinating about something, we can give it a talking to. One of the reasons you might be having difficulty focusing is because your brain's saying, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Now, if that's happening, what you do is you recognize that it's saying this and you say, okay, brain, all right, normally I'll, I'll make a deal with you. Normally you can do this and I'll listen to you. But right now I'm in a crisis and I need every little bit of energy in order to focus. I don't have time for you, brain, to be doing this undermining stuff right now. I don't have time for you to undermine me. Sure, you can undermine me in peacetime. You can undermine me when everything gets back to normal. But right now, we have to focus. And this does a few things, even though it might sound a bit batty. Um, what it does is it reshapes your brain and gives you control of your own internal voice. And when you're calling the shots on your internal voice, it's much easier to recognize why you were stalling in the first place. You can be like, ah. Oh, I was procrastinating because I was really disappointed with how I did last time on this test and I didn't want to do it again because I was worried it's going to fail again. Now you know why you're afraid, you can actually face it and you can start focusing and be less concerned and stop putting it off and try to run away from it. Give your voice a Jacinda Ardern speech. Give it a little government pep talk. We'll get it through there. And lastly, this is probably one of the most powerful ways that I've found that can keep me creating and writing and thinking at a time when really it feels like I should be thinking about all these things. The thing is, is that during pandemics or crises, it's really easy for you to see all this devastation, this heartbreak around you and be like, oh my God, I, how am I, I don't even, how am I supposed to write or make anything when all this terrible stuff's happening? How am I supposed to focus? I can't even... Like, it feels wrong to write. It feels wrong to focus when all this stuff is happening around me. And I get it. I really get it because I go through periods of that daily where I'm like, why would anybody care? Everything I do is meaningless. I am not on the front line. Therefore, my existence is not valid. Now, the point of that, though, is that that's not really what it's about. See, I know as a writer, as a creative person, the act of writing in itself is my tiny way that I can help the world. If I write, if I present, if I do things like this, this is me playing to my strengths and I can help people who might similarly be feeling lost, might similarly be feeling as though they're a bit confused right now. So actually, there is a huge point to me writing and creating because I can help people through it. 
So what I would say is this, is if you're trying to focus, you're trying to study, if you're trying to create things, find your purpose in it that adds to the bigger value. It doesn't even have to be about solving this crisis right now, but find something in it, which means that you can fight for it, you know, makes it a worthy cause. Let's say you're studying and let's say you're doing medicine. Let's say you want to finish your degree and you're trying to focus for those exams. You say, it's really important for me to focus for these exams because in the future, the world is going to need people like me. It's going to need smart medical people who can basically stop this happening again. But even if it's not medicine, even if it's just you trying to get some life admin sorted out, you say, I'm going to focus, I'm going to achieve this life admin because right now the thing I can do to help the world is be a functioning, responsible, socially responsible human being and that will help us get through. So find how you can find purpose and meaning, whether that's helping other people or just keeping the world ticking along. But try and find why you're fighting for what you fight for. Because when you find that why, it makes it so much easier to focus. Okay, that was 10. Let's just take them from the top really quickly. Number one, ride out that panic roller coaster. It's going to happen. Accept it. Ride it. Two, deal with your most pressing stuff right now. Just deal with it. You will not be able to focus until you deal with it. So make it the priority. Number three, realign that mental state. You're not working from home. You are at home trying to work. Four, schedule in that worry. Have a time in the day when you can put all your worries into that box. And if your brain wants to worry at a wrong, wrong, like wrong time, you say no. We're not worrying right now. We worry in worry time. Five, during worry hour, ask yourself, can I influence this? Is this in my sphere of influence? If it's not, ignore it. Number six, turn off everything. Number seven, get up, have some quiet time, find that quiet space, even if it's just listening to your headphones or sitting in the garden. Number eight, try and work out when you're happiest, work then. Number nine, give that internal voice that doubts everything you do a stern press conference when you tell it it's not impressed by its behavior. And number 10, find your purpose and your why that's going to keep you doing everything that you're doing. Find the reason why you can do this and how you can help people, how you can just help yourself. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully, if you, um, if you find those 10 tips useful, um, you can let me know. Send me a DM if you've got any other suggestions for how you do it. This is just how I do it. But hopefully in there, you can find a way to keep functioning at at least a resemblance of normal life. Now we have come to the part of the show that we call the coffee fund. Now, this was named because under normal life, I have a $25 a week coffee fund, which is, on reflection, slightly ridiculous. But the thing is, is that now I'm in lockdown, I'm not spending it. So what we in the Y are doing today is that we're taking that coffee fund and what we want to do is that if you know a young woman out there who needs a bit of love right now um maybe a bit struggling let us know dm us at um ywca auckland on instagram or verity cara johnson instagram and put in the coffee fund nominate your girl and we will send a care package with my coffee fund and with donations from the y so we will make sure that young women out there get a little bit of cheering up and a little bit of love so if you've got someone who needs that head into the dms now
And that is the end of today's episode, part one. But tune in for part two in the next couple of days. It's going to be dropping. We are going to be talking all about productivity. We just talked about how to do all the things. Next time, we're going to be talking about should you be doing all the things. There is so much pressure right now for you to emerge out of this lockdown as the shiniest, fittest, best version of yourself. And that is so much pressure to put onto yourself. Come back next time where we'll be discussing all of this and more. We'll see you very soon. Kakatiano. This podcast is proudly powered by the YWCA.